Welcome to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show. We're here tonight at the Australian Citizen Science Association meal at the pub with Michelle Neal, who is the driving force behind the association. Thanks for coming to the show. My first question tonight is, have you ever been scuba diving? Not scuba diving, no. Have you ever been snorkeling? Snorkeling. And what did you think of that experience? I did the Great Barrier Reef just before we had kids. Oh, wow. With my husband. Like a second honeymoon. Second honeymoon? Second honeymoon. Oh, beautiful. I got ran into by a submarine. Oh, my God. <laughs> hit on by a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> so these are good experiences. I ran headfirst into the corals, but it was fun. <laughs> it was really good. So would you ever like to scuba dive one day? I do want to scuba dive someday. Um, having kids at the moment, it's a little bit hard, but they're starting to get the age that we could take them scuba diving. Oh, beautiful. So 14 and 11. Um, yeah. And actually, they're both scouts, and I'm a scout leader as well. And scuba diving is one of the badges they can get. So we're looking into it, but I think you have to be 15 from memory. Oh, not where I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we like to get kids involved at around about 12 year old. Okay, so that's scout late age, basically. Yeah. Scouts, scouts, rovers is the hot level, ventures is the middle one there. So it sounds like that you're involved with the scouts and the rovers and in the Australian Citizen Science Association. Yep. And how did you get involved with um, with the association? So that's a bit of a story. We got time? Yeah, we've got a little <laughs> bit of time up our sleeve. Okay, well, the story goes like this. My now 14-year-old scout, uh, Will, was 18 months old at the time and was absolutely enthralled with creepy crawlies. And I was sitting there one day paying bills online and I had this little 18-month-old premier kid come up to me with us redback spider in his hand and literally shove it in my face go look mummy look what I found oh wow you know, as, as a parent of a small child with a redback spider you try not to freak no and I'll just let people know in the northern hemisphere yes that they are a dangerous spider here in Australia they're not too bad if you're an adult but if you're a small slightly framed child that's you know not even as tall as your knee yes <laughs> they can be quite harmful and a little scary for the, for the adults around because they're basically black widow yeah. Type spider. I convinced him to put the spider back where he found it because we shouldn't disturb habitat. We shouldn't disturb where they've come from, their nests or anything. So he put her back and it was a her. It was a big one. One of the biggest I've ever seen. And I convinced him to take photos of it instead. So every two seconds after that, mum, 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 come take a photo of this spider. Mum, 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 come take a photo. In the end, I had to get him his own little uh, tablet with camera on it, little Samsung tablet. We still got it at home so he could take photos with it. And then after that, he kind of ran out of space. <laughs> I had to get him an actual phone. He now has a camera, a smartphone. I started uploading them to a, an old project called Bowerbird, which used to be run by Museum Victoria. And that quit after a while. That, that got no funding. So they uploaded it all into the Atlas of Living Australia. From there, we started using BioCollect. Then we found Questigame. Then we found all these other ones as well, iNaturalist. So we've used a few of them over the years. But while we were doing this, while he was growing up like that, I was also a volunteer with CSIRO STEM professionals in schools. Now, I have about seven schools I regularly visit. And I'd usually do science clubs and stuff like that with the schools because I've found that the teachers are too time poor to learn how to do that. And most of them didn't do, particularly in primary school teachers, did not do science as a subject or chemistry or physics or biology because they didn't have to to get into teaching. So I'm there basically as a backup for the teachers that ask me anything type type of person that 
I'm not going to you know, say, oh, you don't know that. I'm, I'm going to say, okay, this is how you do it. I had one group that said, oh, we want to figure out how much vitamin C is in oranges. I went, oh, yeah, that's easy. I'll just get some betadine. And the teacher went, you can do that? I'm like, yeah, here's how. She said, oh, I looked it up. It's the 10 pages long of the prac. I went, here, I'll demonstrate. And it took me less than two minutes. And she's like, all that for 10 pages. So it's science communication. Anyway, um, I'd been also working in conjunction with uh, Earthwatch Australia at the time because I had friends who were teachers in the local area and they were trying to do a Teach Wild thing in Moreton Bay, where I'm from. Uh, that's Cleveland, Victoria Point, that sort of area. Toonda Harbour, if you've heard of Toonda Harbour, North Stradbroke Island, that's where I'm from. And I had teacher friends that I could point them towards. So I got on a mailing list. About six months later, I went to the Australian Science Communicators Conference in Brisbane. It was early 2014. And a guy stood up, Chris Gillies, who was then from Earthwatch at the time, stood up and said, hey, look, we're looking at creating the Citizen Science Network of Australia. Is anyone interested in joining because they're doing this in America at the moment. Europe's talking about it. America said that we could join them, but I think we've got enough people here to make our own. So let's let's make our own. I thought, that sounds really interesting. I would love to sign up for that because I knew what citizen science was by then. I'd been doing it for a few years with my son. You know, it was, it was an interesting thing to do. Anyway, fast forward a few months and I got a phone call or email, I think it was actually, from Earthwatch Australia asking for volunteers to go to this first ever meeting which was held at the Australian Museum on the 10th of May in 2014. So I went along to that. I somehow managed to find myself the co-chair of the communications team because I was kept saying to people, how are you going to communicate this? How are you going to tell people it's out there? How are you going to tell people about all these fantastic projects that we're talking about? That Citizen Science Network of Australia, or CSNA, eventually became the Australian Citizen Science Association. Within two months, we had a bank account, we had a social media presence, and we've, we've can maintain that social media presence ever since. So since then, I think less than a year after, a bit over a year after that, we had our first conference that our previous chairs had got a Fenegrant for. We went to that one in 2015, June, July 2015 at... The Shine Dome in Canberra, and the rest, as they say, is history. It's an inspiration, the association, and I've been listening to people talk today, and some people are saying in their projects they've got like up to 8,000 different people, citizen science scientists, or working on their projects. Yep. So how many do you reckon individuals out there in Australia are doing citizen science at the moment? Well, we once... Um set an interesting target. I think it was the UN set a target a few years ago and said that they wanted one-fifth of the population of the world to be citizen scientists by 2020. One-fifth. One-fifth. So at the time, there was about 8 billion people. So it's just over about a billion and a half people. We looked at that and went, we probably are already doing that. We don't realise it. Wow. So we're more or less going to say back to the UN, come on, give us a challenge. The problem is it's really, really hard to measure. Like the people that you say, oh, we've got 8,000 people working on this project. What other projects are they working on? Are they only doing the one? Yeah. Like we had Siobhan Leachman talking this morning. She's not only doing, you know, iNaturalist, she's also doing Wiki, she's doing WeDigBio, she's doing Smithsonian, she's transcriptions. Just because you're a citizen scientist doesn't mean you have to do just one project. So how do you measure how many hours? How do you measure time and money that that saved a scientist as well? That's exactly right. I know I've been in the scientific field and helping scientists and things like that, and they need us to help them with their data um, just because they can't afford to put people out in the field on a continuous basis to get those observations or to collect samples. 
It's not only that, it's local knowledge. Yeah, that's that's true. You bring in some boffin scientist, and, and I say this as a scientist myself, you bring in some boffin scientist who thinks he knows the local area, and then you get the local people say, no, the platypus is over there. I don't know why you're looking over there. But it's been there for you know, years. Local knowledge is, is priceless. And that's the knowledge that's handed down from generation to generation to generation. And it's hard to sometimes get that out of the locals too. You've you got to be a local sometimes yeah, to know the local stuff. And that's, that's fair enough. But you have other citizen science projects as well, such as health. We're all a little bit reticent about telling, you know, what's wrong with us. But if you can do it in an interesting format or, uh, say, stall catches, for example, or something online that you can do yourself and you're still contributing, perhaps there's also something like flu tracker, which is really easy to do. It's just a once a week little survey. Have you got the flu? Have you got COVID? Has anyone in your family got COVID? Yes, no. Do you have any symptoms? Yes, no. Simple. Takes I think it takes me five minutes a week to do that particular project. Wow. It depends on a lot of things. Yeah, where are you? What do you want to do? How good your internet is maybe? How many apps your phone can take? <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that because my phone's got about 30 or 40 citizen science apps on it. <laughs> it's a little insane. <laughs> But it's a bit addictive like that, isn't it? Once you get into one project, then it rolls into another project and it's the people that you meet too. It is the people you meet. We have a real community here and what one person does, the other person will come and say, oh, you know, that's a so-and-so or that's a such-and-such. And the other one will come back and say, but I thought it might be this. I do iNaturalist with Cub Level, which is Cub Level Scouts, which is um, 8 to 11-year-olds basically. Those scouts there, if you do it on the app, on the iPad app, they can't really talk to each other on it. There's no real interaction available. But if you do it on the website, website version of iNaturalist, you can talk to people in forums. You can talk to people in chat boxes type type things in the argue with people through taxonomy, all sorts of different things you can do. Wow, beautiful. So, yeah, there's a real community out there. It is. And where are you hoping that this community and association goes in the future? Well, we always say funding, don't we? <laughs> Personally, for me, I'd probably like to see each and every university have a citizen science officer. Citizen science officer. officer. Yes. How about the schools? Can we get one in the schools? We'd too? love to get one in the schools. Well, let's start somewhere, which probably we can do first. Okay. A citizen science officer. That citizen science officer would be a member of our Australian Citizen Science Association. Yeah. Would come to all of our events and so forth and would be trained by us in best practice of citizen science because universities sometimes have five or even ten citizen science projects going at once it's not just science it's also health astronomy you know your physics there's a whole different range out there and just think of maker spaces for example that's engineering you know how many how many maker spaces and hacks hackathons and hack spaces can you think of we've got an excellent one in brisbane called the edge there's even a music room in their music studio where you can go in and and put down beats and then try and figure out how you can, for example, do bird calls through it or something like that. There's the end, there's endless possibilities there. Wow. Yeah. I never thought of that. I like that idea about a citizen science officer in each university and then they get trained up by the association and then... Then they can inform policy and citizen science decisions at their university. If you've got a PhD student, for example... A uh, classic one, it would be the at our last conference in 2018, our last face-to-face conference, I should say, in 2018, we had a competition for an app. So Spotteron, which is a European citizen science app-making company, generously donated a prize for who could, who could suggest the best citizen science app. And if so, they got the app for, I think it was two years, and Spotteron would build it for them. That's how Big City Birds app came about. Oh, really? They won an app. <laughs> 
Well, that's good. But yeah, if you've ever tried Big City Birds app, I, I do suggest you go onto it. I love the design of this app. There's a lot we can talk about about user interfaces. There's a lot we can talk about data reproducibility, metadata, and also the longevity of that data. You know, if that project folds, where has that data gone to so people can still see uh, the data for it and use that data? Yeah, that's what I found interesting earlier today, talk, listening to the talk about the lady. Siobhan Leachman. That's it, Siobhan. How she's actually getting all these old journals and logs from libraries and putting them into the internet and Wikipedia. Yes. And I just thought to myself, wow, I never really thought of using Wikipedia as a a reference for anything, but a lot of the reference, a lot of the stuff is coming from old stuff. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think about other industries as well. And and history, like a lot of history is lost. You can't even find it on the internet. There's a section in Wiki called Wikidata, and we're looking at Wikidata and Wikipedia and Wikicommons at the moment because there's a lot of citizen science projects out there that are citizen-led. Originally, like Streamwatch, Waterwatch, that sort of stuff can be very citizen-led. How can we aggregate the data inside something like that so people can still use it, still play with it in 100 years' time? Yeah, that's what I like about putting everything digital, even though I'm not a real digital person. But to have that history stored in a digital manner, yes, it's like, wow, and that's for future generations so we don't have to sort of run to a library and try and find a book. Will libraries exist in 100 years? <laughs> You've heard of Internet of Things, right? We're going digital with libraries. What I'd also like to see is a library of citizen science. So you could walk into your library and basically get out a box with this, everything you need for a citizen science project in it. Or perhaps it's a water testing kit. Perhaps it's a binoculars to go bird watching. Perhaps it's a, a field book about frogs, if you're frog IDing, something like that, you know? Yeah. What about a telescope? A telescope, yeah, see the stars. Yeah. For the next few days here at the conference, what would you recommend to people who still are thinking about coming to the conference and how to get the most out of the conference? Okay, so for this conference, we are really pleased that Premier Events offered to do our conferences for us again, our conference this time. We are paying them, of course, but it's great that we're to work with Shanna Sheldrick and her team because we have a little conference app. And on the conference app, when you sign in, you can see everyone who's here, you can see what's going on. We update that regularly. You can also text people back and forth with us as well. So if you do need to meet up with someone, you can ask them, like Costa, for example, hey, I think I've got an idea for a story for you for Gardening Australia. It's about this if you want to meet up, let me know. And that's actually my assistant told me about that. And she goes, I've organised this for you and I've organised that for you. Yep. And I've gone, what? How did you, where did you get that from? She goes, oh, there's an app that's got everything on it. Yep. And it's updated. And I said, really? And we update it hourly. Anything changes, it gets updated. If anyone comes here to the conference, they download the app and then they can go do whatever yep. they... Yeah, that's that's the idea. It makes it a lot easier later on too when you're going to, to look at all the conversations you've had. If you've made notes in the app and it'll actually download it for you at the end and and send it to your email address or whatever or download it to your phone. It's like so much easier because there's 100 plus, 150 plus people here this week and some of them more transient than others coming in and out only for a day or only for half a day because they've got to get back to work. Or Our association's conference is like nothing you'll ever see in the world anywhere else. It's not a pure science communication conference. It's not like land care where you've got people who don't have a background in science or science communication. It's like the general public. 
it's amalgamation of all three. So it's a little bit different, but we, we do encourage citizens. I would love to see our next conference have as many citizens presenting as scientists. Okay. That's my aim. And it's funny you say that. I was talking to someone today and they said they come from a science background. And they said it was so good not to come to a pure yes. science conference. It was more relaxed atmosphere here. So from my background, I'm an analytical chemist. So... Yeah, it's, it's really nice not to come to a, a stuffy, everyone must be talking in the correct jargon type <laughs> conference where you can get someone like Stuart Harris up and said, no, nah, I went out there, didn't find it. So I looked over here instead. Something very normal. It's back to normal speak. And it's a good mix as well because we're learning from each other. Yes. So the, the citizens are learning from the scientists and the scientists... And are we're learning. learning in plain speech. Yes. Saying exactly what we want to say, exactly what we mean, exactly how we want to say it. That's right. That's yes. Not much political correctness. Not much political correctness, but I think that adds to the charm of the community. (laughs) And is there anything that you'd like to say to the people out there that are thinking about being a citizen scientist? Go onto our website, citizenscience.org.au. Have a look under resources. There's one there called the Project Finder. Project Finder. Have a look at our Project Finder. Okay. Uh, You can click in there and and find, refine it by which uh, federal electorate you're in. Oh, Okay. Go into your electorate and see what's in, around you. See what you can you can apply yourself to. See what you can do for your community. There's a couple of other ones online. If you want to do simply online ones, like uh, Digivolt here in Australia. There's Zooniverse if you're looking at more astronomy type stuff. But Zooniverse. Zooniverse. Okay. Dot, dot org, I think they are. They're American based, but they have a lot of different types of one. Like your snapshot, snapshot Serengeti used to be on there. I think I think it still is basically visit another place on, on the planet um, as a, and, and just see if, have I seen a meerkat? Yes. Have I seen a tiger? Yes. Just pick off what you've seen on, on those slideshows or on the slides. They're all camera trapping images. Okay. They just want to know what you've seen because they've got thousands and thousands of the camera trap images, but only so many man hours that are paid to do it. So this is just something quick and easy that you can do sitting on a bus or on your way to work. Beautiful. Easy stuff. Yeah, instead of looking at Facebook or something. Instead of looking like at Facebook, do something productive with your time. Yeah. Um, there's also SciStarter.org, um, which also has another uh, citizen science, associate, uh, citizen science um, project aggregator on it. Uh, that one you can say, I want to do projects in Australia. I want to do projects in Europe. I want to do projects in South America. It's a lot more global, that one too. So, yeah, if you're going for a holiday somewhere, see what's near you. Yeah, no, that sounds very interesting. I never even thought of that too. And my last question is, are you excited about the Great Southern Bioblitz this Friday? I'm one of the original international organisers for GSV. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. One of eight. Yeah. And it's actually really cool to meet my other GSB coordinators here because we have never met in person. And I'm hoping you'll get to talk to Leela Higgins as well. She's the, one of the creators, co-creators of the City Nature Challenge. Okay. So City Nature Challenge started, but it was only in the Northern Hemisphere, in the Northern Hemisphere spring. Yeah. They said, oh, we'll do it worldwide, but it's not really spring here. Yeah. It's April. It's... It's usually the same weekend as uh, Anzac Day. So people are going away for the long weekend. Not really people are in the city to do the City Nature Challenge. And we kind of said at the end of the, our first couple of City Nature Challenges, when we went into lockdown in 2020, we'd really like something to do in our neck of the woods when it's actually spring. So we made the Great Southern Bioblitz. There was eight of us on a Zoom call one night and went, what are we going to call it? I said, you've got to call it something because otherwise... It, 
doesn't have a catch. It needs it needs to say what it is. So we came up with Great Southern Bioblitz. And we said, while we're at it, we'll we'll see if anyone else around the world wants to wants to join in in the Southern Hemisphere because it's spring. We thought we'd get maybe eight or nine other areas to help out to, to do it as well. I think we got 151 or something that first year. Wow. 11 countries out of the 32 in the Southern Hemisphere. We were blown away. We organised that in, I think it was less than six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Imagine what you could do if you tried. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now we're in our fourth year. So can't remember how many were off the top of my head, but I think the, there's still ones, still local, local government areas joining up until midnight tomorrow night. Just before it starts, there will be. That's like me. I'd leave everything for the last minute. <laughs> well, if you want to be in it, you can, st- and your area is not involved. If you head to the Great Southern Bioblitz website, there is a, a link in there that you can join. If you're not in that area, that your stuff will still be added to it. Um, there's also another link in there. It's a lot. Of, we get a lot of kids and, and people saying, "What's in it for me?" Yeah. Okay. Yes, you've helped biodiversity, but you know what? What can I take home from this? There's another little link that, that asks you to sign up to get a certificate. And this is something we find school kids and uh, university students really like because that way it's something they can put on their CV. Yep. And at the end of Great Southern Bioblitz, it goes through, aggregates. We, we've got code in the background that aggregates everything and spits out a certificate for you. So it will say, um, for example, I'm Dragonette on iNaturalist. Yeah, this is to certify that Michelle Neal, a.k.a. Dragonette observed 228 different species over the four days of Great Southern Bioblitz in 2023. And then we've got signatures of the, of the local area coordinators underneath. Beautiful. Yeah, it's people People really like that one. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody out there appreciates it as well. And I can't wait to um, see you at Friday at the beginning of the Great Southern Bioblitz. 9am, University of Sunshine Coast. We're bioblitzing Sunshine Coast. Everyone out there. Get ready. You've been listening to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show.